Radical Truth is a podcast produced by TBLI Group and hosted by Robert Rubenstein. TBLI is making the financial system work for all. Our podcasts cover the wide range of ESG and impact investing topics. What it is, why is it booming, is it really helping, is impact regenerative in nature? How will climate change impact investments? There will be regular interviews with thought leaders, some known, some not known, but all brilliant, and we will have engaging conversations with all of them. Can we create an economy based upon well-being? Let's make the financial system work for all. This is Radical Truth. Accelerating the Sustainable Economy with Leonie Schreve. Learn how ING Group approaches sustainable investments in infrastructure, green bonds. Leonie Schreve, Managing Director, Global Head, Sustainable Finance, will share her thoughts and discuss the risks and opportunities. This is Radical Truth. Today we have Leonie Schreve, the Global Head of Sustainable Finance for ING Bank, or as the Americans like to call, ING Bank. Uh, one of my favorite people, one of the real stars in the sustainable finance world, really working for years, changing the focus of a bank, a major bank, toward investment that provides financial and social return. So I'm going to let Leonie introduce herself, give a bit of background who she is, what she does. And she has actually a very, very unusual uh, trajectory of how where she started and how she got here. Leonie, good afternoon from Amsterdam. Good morning from New York. No, good afternoon and uh, good morning uh, to everyone. Uh, great to be here and to uh, have the conversation with you. And I also hope that um, you will be asking lots of questions because that's also uh, the way that I really like it to uh, have such an, uh, a virtual conversation. Yeah, so indeed, as Robert mentioned, uh, I mean, I've been over 20 years uh, involved in the whole sustainability topic. I've done various things um, and uh, started essentially in uh, the consultancy space, really on uh, management consultancy, uh, driving also sustainability uh, projects at an engineering firm. And then around 18, 18 years ago already, uh, I moved to ING and I was asked uh, if I could set up an, uh, a team uh, focused on environmental and social risk management. And at that time, uh, social and environmental social risk management was really also in the, uh, in the beginning of, uh, of the market. So um, I took on that opportunity and I was thinking, well, probably I'll just stay here for a couple of years. Once the team is, uh, is ready, then I'll move on to uh, do something else. Um, but here I am still uh, at ING. And that's, I think, also one of the nice things uh, at ING, that you can have uh, a lot of opportunities. You do need to create them uh, yourself, um, but there is a lot of entrepreneurial spirit. And that's also why in 2013, I moved to the commercial side of the bank and uh, to really drive the commercial initiatives of sustainability. Uh, at that time, again, a market that was really not there. Uh, and we were one of the few, uh, well, one of the first, I think, uh, really international mainstream banks to, uh, to drive sustainability into the core of our commercial strategy. And 
so initially it was focused on okay what are uh, what do we do already in in into our business line i've also mobilized a lot of people that really believed in this topic and of course there were many people at that time still uh, that were absolutely not believing that this would be flying and i've seen also many teams uh, before even that time that tried to really establish a commercial opportunity on sustainability but it never was really successful, probably because it was either very small transactions or with a lead time of a couple of years time. So for me, it was really important that I identified those people that could help me in really mobilizing the network and the ones that really wanted to be also with me on pioneering this topic, but at the same time as well, to really make sure that we closed transactions very quickly. Um, because then only you can show also to the sort of typical banker um, that you really have a financial impact. Uh, so that, that's what I did. And uh, if I look now, I've got a team of more than uh, 40 people across the globe, teams in Singapore, teams in New York, Brussels, Amsterdam and London. And we've been pioneering a lot in the market and really shaping also a lot of the markets that have grown now really into, into big markets. So just to give an example, uh, we have launched the first sustainability link loan into the market in 2017, where um, we essentially agree with our clients on very ambitious targets, either on increasing uh, sustainability rating or to have specific KPIs in place. If those KPIs are met in a year's time, then they get a discount from us. If they don't meet it, nothing happens. If they deteriorate, then a penalty kicks in. And if you, as you can imagine, the first transaction was for a client, uh, was for Philips, also out there uh, in the market, and was a 1 billion facility with 13 banks involved. So it was not only sort of to agree with our client on, yes, this is the, the right way uh, forward, but also, of course, with getting those other banks on board. And in most of those banks, but also at that time with most of our clients, um, you talk to the CFO, you talk to the treasurer, and you talk to the finance people at the other at the other banks, and then sustainability just wasn't uh, wasn't the topic. Uh, I remember very well that in some of my client conversations uh, too, that uh, a CFO said, "Well, you want to talk sustainability? Well, then just." I think we have somewhere a sustainability team. So maybe it's a good idea to talk there. But if you look at the market today, it is really at the core also of the financial uh, streams within with our, in our clients' operations. And why that is? Because often you can get also cheaper funding. Uh, it also strikes towards the, uh, the goals that a CEO often has. And it is really a strategic direction because if you think now about transition of your company, maybe you're not sustainable and you want to move there. You have, for example, commitment to the Paris Agreement. You need to think about how do I want to move my business forward? What kind of investment should I be making? What kind of divestment should I be making? So it really comes at the core of the financial system and the financial and the, the, all the capital streams of our clients. Um, so today it's really, and I would have never imagined, I think, when I, when I started, but this market is just accelerating so fast. So we have um, <clears throat> to look at sort of what we have also in, in terms of uh, the, the product areas and where we see also a lot of, of growth is indeed in that lending space where you have sustainability linked transactions. 
but we also finance specifically, for example, for a car manufacturer, the electrification fleet. And um, that is then really tied towards investing in that activity. But at the same time, uh, we also offer, offer a structure and advise our clients on how to, uh, how to issue bonds, how to link that towards investors, what do investors indeed want, uh, want to see. Uh, and we also have, and those are sort of the lending and the, uh, and the bond activities are really also activities that are um, large in scale. I mentioned already uh, a 1 billion transaction, but we've also recently done an, a 10 billion transaction, which was the ever largest at that moment in time uh, uh, we did, and that was for, uh, for AB InBev. Um, but I also strongly believed when really building this market that, um, yes, you need to focus on this sort of short-term success in terms of uh, having really those big deals, getting the numbers in, making sure that you are seen as also a financially relevant contributor towards the revenues of the bank. But at the same time, there's so much happening in this market. So you also need to be pioneering and looking at what is going to happen next. So I've also established two teams uh, which are more in the pioneering area. One is more on the equity side, one is more on the uh, smaller type of newer technology financing on the lending side. So both of them really look at what are newer type of technologies and what are uh, newer types of business models to help us also to be uh, a step ahead and to be really prepared for the future. So in that sense, we have the smaller part, but we also have the, uh, of course, the, 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 the really large transactions. Um, and I think that it's important to recognize that you have indeed um, those both strategies, because um, otherwise you will never be able to really also establish this internal knowledge that you need to have, the, the knowledge on newer type of technologies, be a trusted partner for your client to really be also the advisor there. Um, so I think it works very well to have indeed those, um, those two directions. I think if I look a bit more broadly, um, there's also a lot of discussion at this moment on uh, climate strategies, on how you deal with uh, the Paris Agreement, with net zero. So we've established also at, uh, in 2017 uh, an approach uh, where we said we want to commit 600 billion of our portfolio to align with the uh, with the Paris Agreement, and that counts for most of the uh, uh, really yeah significant GSG contributors of, of our portfolio. And we have per sector we have identified together with 2DI Investing Initiative, which is an independent scientific external party. Uh, what are the technological changes needed per sector to drive and meet the Paris Agreement? And we map our portfolio on that, we map our clients on that, and we help also in the dialogue that we have with them. How are you doing? Are you, do, are you above the curve? Are you at the curve? Or are you behind? And in that way, we can also really work with them on, okay, is it your ambition indeed to transition? Then yes, we're going to embark with you on this journey and really specifically tie in financing strategies on how you can indeed get ahead of the curve. Uh, preferably, at least at the curve. Um, and that's also a system that we, uh, that we established. I mean, at the time we developed it, um, uh, it was still the case that uh, uh, I could report on GSC impact of a transaction uh, and another bank could do the same, but the outcome could be totally different. So we said, well, if we develop something like that, it should also be something that 
others can use as well. So we've developed it in an open source uh, way where now also 33 banks are really teaming up uh, with us in also using this approach in, uh, in making sure that the portfolios are moving towards the, um, uh, the Paris Agreement. We've also published, uh, <clears throat> and I think as, as the only bank so far really published the, uh, uh, very transparently on what is the progress, where is our portfolio today? And there you see also that for certain sectors, maybe we're slightly, we're slightly ahead. For other sectors, we may be uh, slightly behind. For some, we are at the curve. So it also gives us, but also by publishing it externally, also a push on uh, this. We are really serious about it, but we also really want to steer uh, this business going forward so that in the next report, we are have we have been able to also show that we've making uh, that we've been able to make steps and really steer our portfolio, and of course that's also all uh, included into how we how we steer our um, uh, our business internally with KPIs with uh, systems tracking it. Um, so it has also really helped in getting this whole topic much more further embedded. I mean, my team can structure specific sustainable transactions, but there's of course much more that the bank can do by choosing which client to engage with, what conversations should I be having? And sustainability should never be only a siloed approach by just one or a few teams. It should really be in the DNA and really be embraced by, uh, uh, by the entire company. And you see that, especially the last couple of years, you see that really happening. Um, that topic, everyone wants to talk about this topic. Oh, not only clients, but also internally, it is really something that, uh, yeah, where people really uh, get positive energy from, but also realize with all the pressures around us, all the pressure on climate change, that this is really the way to go. And it's important to address the topic. So it has been a great journey in really building these startups. Because uh, when I started back in 2013, uh, on the commercial side, it was just me and a trainee. Uh, and if you look indeed where the market now is, but also how competition is really accelerating on this, it's, it's great to see that um, it has really uh, passed the stage of being a trend. It's a must and it is also there to stay. You, ha um, you have a very um, unusual CV, not a traditional banking uh, CV. You told me you studied philosophy um, uh, and environmental sciences. You were an, uh, en route to be an Olympic equestrian for the Olympic Games in, in Atlanta. You had a, uh, an accident and you were not able to pursue that and you kind of retooled, went in, 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 in this direction, were hired by the bank. but. I remember many of the banks, whether it's ABN or ING or Fortis or, or, or UBS, at that time, you know, they were not really that keen on this subject. And often they would hire a woman who was under finance, understaffed, put her in a corner office, keep her quiet, and, you know, let's see if she can build community or build networks and, and build an ecosystem there, and usually they were very good at that. But the minute that it went well, they kind of moved the woman aside, and then the guy came forward and cut the ribbon and took all the credit. So, but you're you're there. You're still there. Your team is getting bigger. 
the amounts, 10 billion now are, are getting even more enormous. So it's becoming a very important strategy of the bank. I don't think you have any problem in finding sourcing opportunities. I think loads of them um, come to you. But how are you able to get buy-in within the bank? Go back to when you started with that one guy that, or one woman assistant, and you were trying to get people interested. And they were saying, look, I got to bring in AUMs. I have to reach my target. Is this going to get me AUMs? So how did you deal with that? Well, I think the, um, the first area where I entered was on the risk domain. And so establishing the environmental and social risk uh, approach for ING. And um, uh, essentially, yeah, that there weren't really, there were some statements on uh, what we would not finance, but it was totally not implemented in, uh, in procedures, in decision making, etc. And indeed, I think um, uh, hiring me at that time uh, was sort of, uh, okay, we have to have someone there, but um, uh, yeah, uh, business will just uh, just continue. But there were transactions where I just had to clearly say no. Um, and um, only the board could, could overrule me. And that's, that, that just doesn't happen. Um, so uh, in that sense, I think, uh, people suddenly also realized, hey, wow, um, uh, this can be serious business. Maybe this lady, we should uh, uh, take a bit uh, more caution in, uh, in, in dealing with her. Uh, at the same time, uh, people also really appreciated that I have always looked at it. Yes, I mean, there are boundaries. And if you cross really a boundary, then uh, it's a no-go. But I've always looked at it also pragmatically on can we not make it happen or get into dialogue with a client. So I think the person also where I had um, sort of the most discussion with and um, and discussion is probably not a good word. So you can imagine uh, <laughs> how that was, uh, was also the person that later on said, well, do you not want to move to the commercial side? Um, because I think there could be a business opportunity there. Um, so I think that with this um, pragmatism, but also really having an eye for the for the business and having shown that I could build something successful, uh, also convinced that person to say, okay, yes, just go go ahead and do it. And um, and then indeed, um, when I started that with um, this one trainee uh, next to me, um, my strategy was to mobilize the network. I mean, not to mobilize the people that didn't believe in sustainability, but there are always an, a handful of people that say, yes, I'm very interested in this. I want to also carry some of the weight. And um, so I've mobilized them and that group became much bigger also after indeed showing successes. And you always need to have a couple of different strategies, I think, to make sure that you get everyone in the boat. So even the non-believers. And the non-believers I got on board via showing, yes, this yields revenues. Um, the sort of middle group um, said, well, let's wait and see in the beginning. Um, but then also saw that some of those non-believers were coming on board and saw that a lot of those uh, first group of people that were really intrinsically motivated, uh, was grow that group was growing and they were so energetic about this topic that suddenly you get a sort of whole movement. And yeah, and I think by, by indeed also having the ability to, um, to identify those market opportunities, like we've launched a lot of first-in-kind type of transactions, whether that's on the bond side, 
the financial market side or on the, on the lending side, um, that uh, has also proven, okay, yes, um, you are able to, uh, to adapt and to adjust and to indeed see those market opportunities. So I think that that's one of the things wh why also we've, we are where we are at this moment and where I, wh why I am there. I mean, um, the bank has lots of different parts. It used to be even bigger when National Natal under the insurance was, was part of that. Now it's separate. Um, <clears throat> your focus is, as correct me if I'm wrong, is mainly debt financing, correct, for infrastructure and, and bonds, not so much <clears throat> wealth management. Um, so, But do you have people from wealth management saying, hey, this is really interesting what you're doing. Um, we have lots of clients that are more and more interested. Can I come out, come around and hang out with you? Or can you come speak to my clients? Can you help me build that infrastructure within the other parts? Yeah, although my, officially my responsibility is indeed the wholesale bank. Um, so that means that it's not the, uh, the private banking uh, clients and private banking in general at ING is not how you, well, nothing compared if you look, for example, at a, a UBS or a Credit Suisse. Um, but um, I, we've also had, even though I have two uh, of those pioneering teams, we also come across uh, lots of transactions that are still too early stage or um, too difficult to uh, to be bankable at this mo at that moment. So and um, but I do believe that if we provide already the opening at an early stage, that um, maybe at a later stage we can indeed bank this client. So I've also um, that was for me also a starting point to have discussions with private uh, uh, private banking and with um, uh, our family offices team as well to say hey. Maybe you can play a role there, or the, your private banking clients. Maybe they are interested uh, to step into this, uh, and we can then also step into it uh, into it later. Um, so in that sense, um, we've organized also various um, investment sessions where indeed those opportunities that were too early for us, um, that at least we've uh, proposed them towards investors to see if if they could play a role. And I think making that connection and trying always to to um, service a client is something which is uh, which is important. And of course, that's not always possible, uh, and especially sometimes in the very newer type of technologies uh, in the sustainability field. Um, uh, yeah, it, it it is what it is. But then a bank is also just having its role in uh, in the financial sector, and sometimes you just need to go to VC capital. And um, the ones I find that the ones doing the most talk the least and the ones doing the least talk the most. And I, I recently looked at <clears throat> the list uh, fossil banks. And of course, you know, the four biggest funders in the world are JP Morgan, Citi, Wells Fargo and Bank of America. But <clears throat> it's also the organizations that are claiming to really be totally committed to sustainability. Uh, ING, is, I think, is number 28 in that list of things. What are you trying to, I know you're, it's the, it's a big organization. You've got a lot, you can't fight every battle, throw all of your weight behind everything. So how do you constantly move that needle that we want to be less fun financing carbon intensive industry, 
Whereas you have a guy who brought in a deal who's going to make a very nice commission on this deal. And here's Leone said, I'm sorry, we can't do this. He said, what do you mean you can't do it? It's a low risk financial risk. And I'm going to make a fortune on this commission. How are you handling those situations? Well, for example, if, if we take the coal industry, um, for us, the reason to, um, to have a very strict coal policy and that we almost have uh, no exposure to the coal industry anymore is uh, also a matter of credit risk because, um, and you see that now more and more also with the um, uh, uh, climate uh, being very high on the agenda, also pushed of course through uh, the regulatory environment, but that uh, results into the fact that you also start to think, okay, is it not a risk actually to just have 15 years exposure towards a coal plant or a company that is involved in a business where you may think, that's not there anymore in uh, X number of years. So and that's, that's also what I mean in um, the whole topic has become much more ingrained into the whole decision making, into all the metrics, because those kind of decisions are not only sustainability related, they are also have an, uh, an impact on, on potential risk, on, on potential uh, credit risk that you won't get your money back. And that's essentially always what the bank wants. Uh, we want to get our money back. So if you then look at um, uh, other fossil fuels, um, we have our commitment to align with the Paris Agreement. So there also we built on the scenarios of the, uh, uh, of the International Energy Agency. And um, through that, we know when, uh, how the, the, the industry needs to change and how much levels of, uh, of fossil fuel will still be there to um, uh, yeah, to drive the economy uh, in 2030, 2050. Now with net zero, and um, by knowing that, you also know how to scale down your port uh, portfolio in the uh, in the fossil fuels area. But at the same time, and and this week, for example, we've done a transaction. It's a company that um, traditionally was an oil company, but has uh, a very strong ambition to change. And that change, which is, of course, also driven by, I need to be resilient in the future. And um, we have structured a transaction for them, which is purely tied to their investments in uh, renewables, in energy efficiency, etc. So they're really trying to rebuild the company, expanding in those areas. And that is also why sustainability becomes such a strategic priority. Um, because it really influences your investments and divestment uh, decisions if you're really serious about, yes, sustainable business is better business and I want to transition. <clears throat> the EU came out with a, a new taxonomy which goes into effect this year or the end of the year, uh, which is trying to set guidelines. What is a, a green bond? What is a sustainable investment? Um, some will have to adapt, some will say, great, they're finally doing it at the level that we should. How, what do you think of this EU taxonomy? What role do you think it's going to play in, uh, in helping or hurting you uh, develop sustainable finance within ING? I think it, it, it helps and I also welcome, uh, welcome the initiative and um, there are a couple of reasons. On the one hand, um, it's good to have a more standardized taxonomy out there so that we can all have the same understanding on what are sustainable activities. And 
uh, that will help also remain of keep the credibility also of the sustainable finance market that you just have to abide by uh, by certain standards and common understanding on what is sustainable um, so we've already also with the draft taxonomies that were out there in the last couple of months um, advise clients on okay if you want to structure a green bond um, this is how we uh, advise to do it because uh, then it's in line with the taxonomy and will therefore also attract more investors. Uh, at the same time, it's also uh, tried, it, it will also create a lot of disclosure and transparency in the market because our clients all need to report on their revenues, their OPEX and their CAPEX that meets the um, taxonomy requ- uh, definitions. And for ING itself, we will need to have to report on what is our green asset ratio. So what portion of our balance sheet uh, lending does fulfill the criteria of the taxonomy. So you'll see much more transparency out there um, to really see, okay, this one is really on track. This one could step up further. And I think transparency is really key in the whole sustainability market um, because that also drives the credibility. Um, uh, I was asked years ago to um, to uh, advise the UITP, which represents all the public transport infrastructure systems of the world, and they have to raise 2.3 trillion, 2.4 trillion every year. There's 1,400 members, and I, I said to them as a joke, uh, they were looking for ways of financing it. I says. When you borrow the money, do you pay it back? I say, yeah, yeah, we're AA rated. We're public-private partnerships. Uh, I said, well, why don't you just go to asset owners because you offer what they're looking for. You offer yield. They're low to zero carbon, steady cash flow, you know, no volatility, et cetera. But I rarely bumped into institutional investors who were focused on public transport infrastructure. Very few were doing green bonds with. I think India did a, a small portion of it for Mumbai. Why is that? Why is it public transport infrastructure is not sexy for banks like yours? I don't know because we also do um, uh, do those kind of uh, financings. Um, although maybe it not always be on um, uh, on the public side, but also definitely on the private side. So. Uh, we have, when it comes to also more um, a pioneering infrastructure, we have um, financed uh, a lot of um, charging infrastructures. Um, that's always, there's a, often there's an, uh, a corporate behind it. Um, so in that sense, it's not, not public. Um, but we've also, um, uh, with export finance, for example, uh, we've also uh, financed a lot of the uh, climate adaptation projects uh, for governments, so for example, uh, countries that are um, uh, are really at risk by being uh, flooded, um, to have um, then corporates to do the work on, uh, for example, uh, making an island higher or making sure that there's coastal protection, uh, and that's financed all by the government. So the government is our client, but then uh, we know who they bring in. And on the basis thereof, is sort of a tripartite uh, structure, you finance it. And so in that sense, um, it's definitely there. Um, but yeah, indeed, indeed, you see that that governments mainly, governments do issue also uh, green bonds. And, and part of it is used for infrastructure. And we support them as well. Um, so yeah, it's, it, it's uh, but usually 
um, those public parties are not going to uh, to the market either because they have other funding uh, funding mechanisms. You you said that you you're no longer financing coal coal related plants. So what is your line in the sand that says we won't or I won't stand behind financing this this year and what will it be next year? Where you know what what is for you that this is not sustainable finance and I just can't justify this. Well, only what we don't do, that's really the environmental social risk side. Um, so that's what I've left behind when joining the commercial side. Um, so essentially, um, they draw the lines on uh, what, how, what uh, standards clients need to abide by already when they enter the bank uh, that's being tested, like um, the whole Know Your Customer systems that, uh, that are out there also have those environmental and social risk uh, standards in place and indeed also are tested on involvement in weapons, involvement in coal, um, all kind of restrictions that are in place. And what I do is really driving the opportunity. So I sometimes explain it also as um, uh, it's just a sort of the normal football league that is uh, um, done by the, uh, the, the general bank. But I really focus on the Champions League, on really making sure that we get we accelerate going forward on sustainability. Not that the Champions League is so sustainable, <laughs> but just to illustrate that uh, you want to focus really on on those that that drive and shape the market as well. IEA came out with a, a report this week. Uh, this is big. <laughs> I mean, for some people might not be too excited about it, but if you ever read IEA in the past, this is a very big change for them. That the entire energy mix has to be changed and not taking any more fossil fuels out of the ground. Um, so how, how do how did the I, how did ING and your team respond to this? Because you might still be funding or or getting requests from that because it's a big it's a very influential organization, IEA. Yeah, and in their Previous scenario, there was also still quite some room for uh, for fossil fuels, and um, in in most of the scenarios that we've seen so far, also uh, fossil fuels still play an important part, though uh, less big uh, in the future. So um, the report that came out yesterday or maybe before, um, yeah, that. Um, um, Someone's phone is ringing. Yeah, it's. Um, I'm sorry. I'm. I'm at my mother's house, so she's very popular. So she gets. Ah, oh, but that's good. <laughs> um, no, so the report that came out this week. Um, yeah, we're, we're digesting it, and like we have indeed our align our commitment to align with the Paris Agreement, based also on EIA uh, scenarios. Um, we are currently calculating, and so it's it's uh, too early to really say something on on the strategy. But it is being looked at now on how to translate that into uh, into our approach. Indeed, agriculture is the sec is the largest employer in the world. It's also if we can increase the CO two sequestering in the soil by a small amount, we can really offset a lot. But traditionally, <laughs> banks like ING or others that are being are not financing any kind of technology innovation or, or that type of um, uh, financing. Yet the potential is clearly there. 
what can be done from the let's say the um, the sell side so the the developers the project developers the organizations that are creating new technology to be able to access your type of funding because it might not be a 10 billion dollar deal you know it might be much smaller do you actually do you look at that space at all well, a um, couple of examples maybe to mention uh, that, um, uh, and, and we do have very good uh, agri experts also, and uh, some even also practicing it next to their next to their job. Um, the um, uh, we've um, think was it last month or maybe the month before we've also closed a transaction with uh, Friesland Campina. Uh, where KPIs were also going beyond their own business operations, but also going towards improvements at supplier level and uh, quality of the ingredients, etc. Um, so in that sense, uh, we do influence that value chain through financing some of the larger clients. And um, within our more pioneering business, we're also looking at the uh, insect uh, type of uh, businesses, uh, replacements of, uh, of meat, um, there's a variety of semi-related uh, agricultural activities uh, that we um, that we do finance. Uh, on the technological side, um, um, we have done also quite a bit on uh, geothermal for the um, uh, the glass houses, uh, especially also in the, in the Netherlands, and also to connect that infrastructure for for heating and cooling. Uh, to um, uh, to really lower the energy consumption of those um, those producers uh, in terms of really technological innovations when it comes to the quality of soil of irrigation etc um, that's to a lesser extent indeed where we have been involved in uh, but definitely um, that that's not something where we're uh, uh, where we're closed for but the opportunities have not yet being presented uh, in in a way that it's indeed uh, on an uh, on a bankable level. You, your your department doesn't invest in in uh, private equity uh, deals. It's mainly around debt and no early stage VC, no fund funding of other funds in this space. No, we don't do funds of funds. Um, we do finance private equity and, for example, also the acquisitions that they do. And there we see more and more also within the private equity space that sustainability becomes a key topic and that they want to also um, tie in sustainability features into those financings. Um, we do with our equity portfolio, we do, um, uh, it, it's not the, the VC type of business, it's not the, the startups, uh, it's more sort of the scale-ups or in some cases still the pilot factory and then being rolled out towards an, uh, um, uh, a bigger scale. Yeah, I see. I'm going to take a couple of the questions. Uh, then and from Ghana uh, was saying, amazing, Leonie, I think it has been a long journey for most of us in the sector. How did you communicate that vision to your superiors? Because that is always the greatest challenge when starting. Um. Yeah, I think again that the, the, the sort of the strategic uh, directions that I that I mentioned before on uh, uh, making sure you get the early adapters on board uh, that eventually draw in the um, the middle group and convince the non-believers through hard financials in the way that um, they understand it best. So 
think just showing that sustainable business is better business yields revenue um that has been also the way to uh, uh to communicate uh, about it and next to that you see also that suddenly um if you do these kind of things um your rating improves your investors are more interested in the topic you attract other investors as well that may not be there if you're not uh, a sustainability leader and um you get a lot of publicity around it so and those are things that also land with indeed our board and they say hey <laughs> this is interesting because it really gets uh, a lot of positiveness uh, around it and um you mentioned about pricing or interest are you giving are you providing a discount for green related investment that your department is doing because you spoke well, of some very large project or a penalty if they don't achieve their milestones yeah it's both ways so it's a discount on the margin if you meet uh, agreed uh, criteria or it's an um, uh, a penalty if it indeed deteriorates um that's just a slight discount it's not that uh, we want to attract companies that say okay yes i want to have that structure but actually i'm not serious about this topic so it needs to be the first dialogue needs to be we both have very strong sustainability ambitions and then uh you follow up with indeed getting that structure in place um so that's one of the mechanisms that, that we have in the netherlands we also have very specific approaches for real estate and um having cheaper funding for uh real estate companies that uh have a large portion of their portfolio uh in the the highest levels of uh, of sustainability uh, classifications mm-hmm. uh we've also financed a lot of the improvements that they um uh they wanted to make so we've also at some point in time said for example um uh, certain levels um so energy labels we don't finance anymore unless you have a transition plan and then we'll step uh we'll help you realizing that transition and we give you funding for that uh and on the bond side you see that because of the high investor demand and investors are massively greening their portfolios and because of that high demand uh there is often better funding for green structured or sustainability structured uh bonds than uh for the uh the regular ones Uh, Jacques, um, here's a question, slightly different from what I was asking. The innovations required to actually deliver on sustainability through, say, implementations of working and commercially viable circular economy models are generally being developed by small, young companies. How do you or does ING support those initiatives or those companies? Well, of course, we work also with um, uh, various um companies especially when it comes for example to uh, to data but we also have our own innovation lab where there are also a couple of ventures uh, addressing some of this uh, sustainability challenges and um ideally to be launched later on into the market and with the um the 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 pioneering activities uh where we provide equity and that's really ING's own equity um where we also enter into uh um into uh, scale-ups so last year we've um entered together we've established together with um uh the the Rotterdam port but also with NG and and Wertsla we've established a new company which is called Zes and Zes is providing batteries on a paper use basis for inland shipping 
And as you probably know, the bunker fuels of inland shipping have a heavy impact on uh, CO2 of GHG emissions. And um, by having those stations that, com that those companies do not necessarily have to invest themselves a significant amount to really change their fleet, they can use those batteries on a pay-per-use basis, which is much more cost-efficient for, for them. And even those batteries will also be used at least once time is there that we can have festivals again, like those kind of things. Um, they can also be used in a second life uh, for those purposes. The um, there's a, Net Zero is a new brand or flavor of the month. Everybody's got to be Net Zero. And I was impressed with the number of people that signed up to Net Zero Asset Management. But it's th there are lots of pledges, but it doesn't mean anybody delivers on anything. You know, it, I'm still, I would still like to be a ski bum, but I'm not there yet. So the, is, do you believe that all of these institutions, if, if we just, or ignore them and just focus on ING, 20, 30, 50% of net zero achievement and 2050, 100% net zero? Well, we have this approach to align with the Paris commitment. And of course that was before uh, we launched that much before all those net zero commitments. And part of the scenarios that we use are based on net zero scenarios. Others we are also looking into, uh, should we scale those up, be more ambitious than the Paris Agreement and uh, move towards net zero. But therefore, I think it's important that uh, we've published this progress report uh, last year covering how are we doing with regard to all those sectors when it comes to our commitment on uh, the Paris Agreement. And um, so transparency on how you do it, having a robust approach is essential. I mean, I can't look in the kitchen of all the, the parties that um, have committed to net zero, um, but I would recommend everyone indeed to have a very transparent approach and uh, disclose on your progress, um, because that's the only way it will be tangible. Aaron wanted to know how much do the UN, the UN SDGs drive the ESG sector in terms of providing targets and metrics for management in, in ING's case, of course. Yeah, I mean, the SDGs are, are, uh, are very important. And of course, uh, the umbrella for a lot of all essentially sustainability topics that are out there. At the same time, they are also um, very broad and they are also in some cases more directed at the, um, uh, at, at the, uh, the, the public sector. Um, so we have um, very firm sustainability targets and also translated those internally into, uh, into KPIs. Uh, and of course, that, that ties into SDGs. Uh, some are indeed more on the uh, on the renewable energy, clean energy for all side. Some are focused on the social side, both by providing financial health activities for our clients, but also where we finance public uh, public schooling, uh, public health uh, activities. For example, last year we've also launched as a first in kind in the market the uh, first uh, social COVID nineteen bond. Uh, which was a bond directed also to address uh, investments specifically for uh, those activities that are impacted by uh, the pandemic on the social side. So think about unemployment, inequality, uh, social housing, etc. So those kind of, uh, uh, of, of activities and um, that all links to the SDG. Uh, but if you say the SDG, that is my commitment, then it's still very vague. So you need to translate it in very tangible activities. 
Okay. My general counsel, Beata Dunn, wanted to know, if you were going to start a startup, what's your niche spot? <laughs> Good question. Well, I have a lot of affinity with uh, the whole automotive uh, sector and the electrification of it. I'm also one of the, uh, I think, first... Uh, one of the, yeah, not, probably not the first, but uh, one of the uh, earlier uh, electric drivers. And so I'm now already with my third electric car. Um, so that's definitely an industry that I, I like a lot. Um, based, of course, on my, uh, on my banking uh, back experience now, I, uh, I could also play a good role in, um, uh, in helping indeed how to get access to funding, making sure that um, there's that connection between to which financial a sector player you need to go for which type of investment um so there's a whole variety but i wouldn't uh exclude indeed that i would start my uh, my own company at some point in time okay uh indra guha wanted to know do you qual quantitatively measure sustainability impact before you decide on an investment and if yes how yeah we have a uh, system in place which identifies per sector all the sustainability activities. Um, so it's not necessarily purely directed at the impact, but it is what is sustainable. And that also gets a mark into the system. So even before the taxonomy uh, came into place, already from uh, 2013 on when I built the, uh, the franchise, um, we've, we've developed that to really also be able to measure on how much growth is there. If you look, for example, at the green bonds that ING issues, we specifically also attach then impact uh, figures to it on uh, the portfolio that uh, is part of the, uh, the green bonds. David wanted to know, how large do you perceive the knowledge gap to be between large asset managers and the available investable climate solutions? What is being most overlooked in the climate solutions investment space? Oh, that's a difficult question. Um, yeah, I think in general, um, it is something um, where the financial sector really needs to uh, uh, step up further is to indeed understand what are newer type of technologies. And uh, with sustainability, the interesting thing is also that um, backward looking, which was usually the case in uh, a lot of the models that the financial sector is using, uh, for sustainability, you need to be forward looking. And so getting an insight in what is going to be the next new normal, that is what you need, where you need to develop an eye for. So that, that means that you need to get understanding of what are newer type of technologies and which are the ones that have a good um, uh, potential for, for success. Uh, so we have also established a couple of knowledge hubs on specific, uh, uh, specific areas like hydro, hydrocarbon, batteries, etc to really make sure that we have specialists internally that um, that can really follow those markets. So you see also, interestingly, or mentioned that um, I studied philosophy, um, but there are many more people in the bank that don't have an economic background. Uh, mm -hmm. So we also have a lot of engineers in the company. And by bringing that knowledge also together, you can really establish also much better understanding and advise your clients as well on, okay, if your your industry needs to change, um, your business model needs to change, what are then technologies where you need to invest in? Okay, uh, we're getting overwhelmed with questions now. Why is it that productivity has 
improved by several hundred percent over the past 50 years, but the household wealth of most ordinary folk has declined significantly. Is it maybe that banks and investors only flow money into essential, unsustainable investments, investment with little true value impact for society, not to mention the environment? Do you think that that's true? find it difficult to uh, to judge upon that um, because I, I don't have too much insight in uh, uh, in, in those numbers um, but I generally don't think that we invest in the wrong things I do think that the financial sector in general uh, can step up by accelerating in financing indeed more sustainability also on the social side okay RV Perez wanted to know, do you ever encounter a situation where the sovereign rating of a country was a hindrance to green bond investment? A lot of the developing countries who are uh, vulnerable to climate change or who need to adapt uh, are from countries with not so acceptable sovereign ratings. Is there a way to go around this or deal with it? Well, on the bond side, that, that remains very much indeed the domain of the, um, uh, the multilaterals, uh, where they can step in, also because they have a different mandate than, uh, than commercial banks. And the examples that I mentioned on uh, islands uh, being uh, getting climate protection, either by um, getting various infrastructure to uh, uh, make sure that they are at a higher higher level, or that they have um, um, uh, uh, just the, um, the flooding protection around it. Those have been also with countries um, that we normally would not bank. Uh, but then there are various ways how to, uh, how to ensure that you can do that. And this is then a lending example. Um, but you have, for example, um, the, um, uh, the export credit agencies that provide that do leverage on the, um, on the government. So in those countries where we would normally not be able to bank that government, uh, an export finance credit agency can. And then based on that guarantee that they give, we can enter as well. Thank you. M Michael wanted to know, do you see a big difference between the renewable energy implementation between the developing and developed world? You see various initiatives. I mean, it's um, maybe you see most of the larger scale and innovative scale um, in, uh, investments in more developed countries. Uh, but at the same time, you see also lots of uh, much smaller initiatives on making sure that there's electricity to certain uh, provided to certain regions where there's a lack of, an, of, of a grid. And therefore, with solar panels, the day can certainly be extended uh, with a couple of hours, which enables children to do their homework, uh, enables uh, whole families to also uh, to work um, because they can cook later. So there are very, I, I think it's difficult to uh, to judge on saying, well, it only happens in the uh, developed countries. It, it's just... Um, different types of uh, activities that are, are taking place. Uh, Job had uh, a job idea for you and also a question. <clears throat> what does it take, <clears throat> Leone, and how long before sustainable finance is fully adopted in any financing ING provides? Or differently, when are you CEO of ING instead of SF? I don't know who SF is. I guess it's the present CEO. No, SF is sustainable finance. Okay. okay. <laughs> uh, at least that's my uh, my immediate interpretation with it. 
Um, yeah, and the, ideally, sustainability becomes a new normal, and um, uh, and anything should be sustainable. And that's also if we work towards a net zero uh, world, then uh, that is the reality. At the same time, I think during this whole transition period, uh, still. Um, I am embedding it a lot in the organization so that people can have their own conversations with clients that they uh, understand the topic, that they, um, they, they do have those basic conversations. But you also need, based on really all the fast developments, all the, um, the technological developments, the regulatory developments, you also need to have a very deep knowledge uh, in-house in center of excellence that um, that can have can really make the difference also with clients and really be that strategic sparring partner. So at, at, for the next coming years, I still think that you need to have both. Um, bring the whole organization up to speed on uh, on sustainability, um, but differentiate through a center of excellence. So I would also not see, for example, a team like Sustainable Finance uh, that that suddenly becomes thousand people um, mm. because you really need to be that center of excellence. Okay. Jack wanted to know if ethical investments are outperforming or outperforming traditional funds last year, do you think this is due to the pandemic or that it will continue? And then he gives a link to a Guardian article. Well, you see in general that sustainable investment portfolios are performing already for a long time uh, very good. So the pandemic has probably accelerated the, um, the awareness and um, also maybe some of the uh, investments uh, and you see also we did a research also under um, a lot of investors and, uh, and corporates and there you see that um, 60 percent of our clients uh, well, not only our clients it's much wider uh, say that um, the pandemic has accelerated the transformation towards sustainability for them and that they intend to in the, drive the agenda in, an, in a more accelerated manner going forward. Um, so in that sense, the pandemic has definitely fueled it further. Um, but on the basis where I already started in 2013 to uh, have this as a commercial opportunity was purely on the basis sustainable business is better business. I also strongly believe that you will be a better company also in terms of your credit worthiness if you make yourself resilient for the future. Um, and that is be becoming more sustainable. Uh, final question, well, the final question I'm going to take. Uh, Peter, what is the difference between zero impact and net zero impact? Is there any difference? Are you there? Uh, yeah, yeah, I saw, I saw, I, th I felt that the... Well, no, no, we, it, it, that always happens after 60 minutes. Ah, okay. Um, yeah, the, the, the net zero, I would say it's balancing out. Um, and zero is really zero. Uh, but that's just my, my, my take on, uh, <laughs> on this. Um, happy to hear uh, other views uh, in, in that sense. Uh, we're coming down to the to the end. I, I first of all, I really want to thank you because most of the time when we invite someone from a large financial institution, there's dozens of minder, minders around them kind of guarding, censoring questions. And I really appreciate the fact that you're open 
to dealing with any question that comes forward and just being very straightforward and give a no BS answer. So that I, I want to thank you very, very much. I want to thank you also for uh, the time uh, that you give. And, uh, we will send uh, a, a link to the replay for those who didn't join or those that want to watch again. I'll send a copy to your team. Uh, it's been it's been really a joy, and I really like the fact about the the whole resilience issue because I saw in the last election, everybody was fighting about all these wasted windmills, and they were not missing the point about making the economy and those companies much more resilient which is really the, the that is a much easier thing to sell than this whole idea of you know we're only going to reduce co2 emissions worldwide by such a small percentage and the, i think that's really very very key so i want to thank you for that and leone thanks again you're really a star and congratulations on uh, on all of the achievements that you've done with ing and always staying yourself i really you're, you're great thank you so much <laughs> Thank you very much, and thanks also for all the nice questions. Thank you to our guests and audience for joining us today. If you enjoyed this podcast and want to hear more, please subscribe where you listen to your podcast. This was Radical Truth. Stay safe. Bye.